0: Welcome to another hard hitting episode of Customer Cafe by Calabria. Calabria is a tool that turns good account managers into great account managers through the power of great collaboration.
1: A great account manager is a team player. This podcast is made for those in sales, customer success, and account management as a place to caffeinate, ideate, and collaborate.
0: Subscribe now for the latest brew.
1: Let's hit the grind. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Uh, my name is Menachem Pritzker. I'm the VP Growth at Calabria.
0: And I'm Sharon. I am the Senior Content and Community Manager at Calabria.
1: And uh, just a quick uh, announcement before we begin. Uh, we, If you're listening to this, you must be familiar with Calabria, though you're probably curious about what exactly we've been doing behind the scenes all this time because we haven't released our product yet. But Uh, We are looking for beta testers and design partners for the earliest versions of our app. So if you are in sales and your organization is currently running on Outlook uh, as your primary email client, and you love giving uh, feedback and unsolicited advice to people, here is your chance to have it solicited. Um, And we really want to hear from you. Uh, We'd love for you to get in touch with us. Go to Calabria.com. Uh, click Get Started, and it's pretty easy to walk through the process from there. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. and We'd love to give you early access. Uh, and today, back to the show, uh, we are joined today by Yalit Pereira. Hello, Yalit.
2: Hello, hello. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Thanks for coming. Uh, Yalit is a mother. Uh, she's an AE at Vidyard and the founder of SDRs of Israel. Uh, she's 25 years old, currently living in Renana in Israel. And she's passionate about all things sales and community. Welcome to the show again. <laughs>
2: Woohoo. Finally, it's about time, right? Uh
1: Yeah. We waited
2: for this moment. I waited for
1: this. Moment. <laughs> uh so Yeli, first of all, let's let's just start. Can you tell us about SDRS of Israel? Uh what what is that organization and uh what have you been doing with it?
2: Yeah sure so SDRs of Israel kind of came from this place of pain to be honest um I was always in sales here in Israel I guess that's what most english speaking people do right they just <laughs> get sucked into that um ended up becoming like an SDR kind of thing at a few different companies and I always felt like there was just this major gap here when it comes to community like there were courses that you can pay for and there's communities overseas that again you can pay for some of them you don't have to but there was always that gap for me of like, wow, people don't understand what it's like here in Israel, right? It's not the same setup. It's not like corporate America style. Um, Also the time difference too. And I finally said to myself, like, once I got into Vidyard, I was there for a while and I had all this support and like the team that I always dreamed of, I was like, like good for me. Right. But there's so many people that still don't have that. And I just felt like it was a huge gap here. And for me, it was like a no-brainer. Like, why hasn't someone just created this? Like, it doesn't all have to be necessarily about courses and money and how can we monetize it all the time? It could just be getting some cool people together and saying, hey, we can make each other better just by talking to each other, by having a Slack, right? By like sharing our struggles. Um, And yeah, and so STRs of Israel now is exactly that. It's a community on Slack um, and on Luma. So we have different channels. We talk about different things. We post jobs. Uh, which is actually how we started to monetize because we do want to be able to have nice events and do nice things. Um, but unfortunately, I'm not a millionaire yet. So someone has to, you, you know, time. you're only 25. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Someone has to pay for that in the meantime. But um, yeah, so we've created this community, and our hope is just to have more events like we had actually uh, this past Sunday, which was wonderful or like kickoff event. It was really, really great. um, and to just give people that space to come network, get to know more people, and just better themselves.
0: That's amazing there any, it sounds awesome. So how many how many people are involved? How does is everyone strictly in israel or or
2: yeah, can so join. So we've set it just to be in Israel. Um, we've had mm-hmm. other people try to join, but it doesn't really make as much sense, just because we want people to actually be active, right? And there mm-hmm. are so many other communities, like the ones in North America. They don't care if you're in North America or in Timbuktu. You can join, right? <laughs> um, so you know, if you're if you're over there, maybe go ahead and join, uh, you know, a group like that. But for us, it was really important that we can have that collaboration. That we'll have people that will show up. It'll be at good times for them. Um, and yeah, right now, I think we're about 250 people, um, that have signed up for the community. So yeah, it's great to see that people actually, people actually want to be part of this. It's fantastic. Is,
0: Is there anything that surprised you that you didn't expect when you started it as an outcome?
2: Um, I didn't like, it was kind of, it, it was obvious to me that other people had to feel this way. Right. Because I was like, okay. I'm a pretty normal person so I'm assuming like most things that I feel other people feel I don't think I'm special in that way um but it was surprising like to how many people this actually matters right like going Mm -hmm. to the event on Sunday and people that aren't even part of the community right and they just heard about the event and showed up and they were like listen you're doing such a big thing here right like I've been looking for a place like this I need this like I don't have this kind of setup at work I don't have colleagues I can talk to um And in a way it's surprising and in a way it's not. Right. But it's like, I guess it's always just surprising to actually know that you did this. Right. And you're actually helping people. And it wasn't just like some bullshit little idea. That was, you know, one of the weird things you come up with in the shower.
1: (laughs) Was that where you came up with this?
2: Uh, I think so. A few different places, the shower, playing on the phone, when, you know, like. The idea um,
1: evolved.
2: Yeah, exactly. It definitely (laughs) evolved. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really didn't expect. And of course, like now my expectations are much higher. Um, but I didn't expect it to come to this point, And we're only at the beginning. So I think that's a good thing. Mm.
1: Do you have to be an SDR to join? Uh, you're you're now an AE. Do you have to kick yourself out of your own community?
2: I do not. So it's called STRS of Israel, because that just kind of made the most sense. And that's where I was at that point when, when it was created. Um, but really, it is for everyone. In the beginning, we thought, okay, maybe we won't have management. And then a lot of management was reaching out like, hey, we think we can help and give advice and mentor. So like, let us in. Um, and then we decided, you know what, it's going to be for everyone, because The idea is, right, it's like mental health and talking about sales things. And most people, too, in SDR, that's usually most people are not staying in that role forever. It's maybe two, three, sometimes even four years, sometimes one year, sometimes six months. But people kind of have a vision of what they want to do after that. Um, And I think it's it's great. Like the more people that can get involved from different roles, the more you have to contribute um, so yeah, I really encourage everyone to join. Cause I think that it would, it would be beneficial to people under them and, uh, why not?
1: Wow. When you started as an SDR, right. Your first sales job, you didn't have an organization like SDRs of Israel to help you along and help you learn. What was it like getting started? How did you learn? How did you get better?
2: It was very overwhelming. I feel like I wasted a ton of time. Trying to figure out what the right way to do things is, what the wrong way is, and paying tons of money for courses and different things. Like the amount of money I put out, I mean, I like to spend money in general, but on courses. <laughs> not on and this like, stuff. Yeah, like on impulse buys. Like, oh my God, you know, if I don't buy this thing for like $90 this time, like I'm not going to be able to do my job, right? Like I just want it to be good so badly and I didn't have other people to lean on and ask like hey does this email look good does that sound good so it always came down to okay you want that help pay for it and I was willing to do that right but Mm -hmm. there's so many like now right I guess it's kind of a different different time too there's many more people posting on LinkedIn it's much easier to get like access to people's advice and tips and tricks um But at that time, it it just didn't. Maybe I just didn't have the right connections or I didn't know how to do it. But for me, it was like it all came down to money. Um, And that's what I would do. And I would suffer, too, because just because you're buying something and paying money for it doesn't really mean that it's that great. Right. Um, And I was still by myself figuring things out. So it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy.
0: It's funny because in your description, you have motherhood. And I feel like there's one book that I bought that I totally forgot the name of, but it was like what you don't need to buy. (laughs) Like, and like, if anything, you're just spoiling your kids, then like, don't warm up their diaper because then they'll expect a warm diaper. (laughs) Like, don't do that. So um, I guess, are there any sort of, of those tips where like, yeah, it'd be cool to have it, but like, it may even strengthen you by not having it like are what, there any what sort Sharon, of what Sharon is the asking crutches?
1: Is, what Sharon's asking is what is, what is the warm diaper of sales?
2: Yes. Um. Thanks, I, th- I, have- <laughs> yeah. I think honestly, it's like thinking that you have to have everything perfect in order to just do your job. And that's something that I still do up until today. I'm like, Oh, well, if I don't have like, like this background, for example, I make videos all day. Right. And I didn't used to have this background. And I was like, well, how am I going to make nice videos if I don't get wallpaper and a freaking neon sign for like a thousand shekel? like (laughs) that my videos aren't worth shit. Right. Which isn't really true. I think you should be focusing more on like the quality of what we're exactly saying and the point, because I don't think people are going to buy from you because of your background or something like that. So I think it's the same thing with all these courses and these gurus, like you see people that you know, can offer great advice. Some of them don't, but you hear the name and you're like, oh, I have to buy from them. Right. Like I have to, I want to be like them, but it's, you don't necessarily need that. If you're just a bit more resourceful, there's so much you can find online. Um, so I feel like in a way, like some of these gurus are like our diaper warmer. (laughs) Who,
1: who in specific is a diaper warmer?
2: Honestly, I don't want to get into names. You don't but have to name. Kind of personal. Personal. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like here, especially in Israel, which is unfortunate, right? But and it's it's just my experience. I mean, I love living in Israel. I love the people that I know here. I have a community here that I absolutely adore. But I feel like a lot of it is like, okay, you want my help pay for it, you know, Mm -hmm. like, there's a lot of that going on. And I just feel like if you've gotten to that point to really succeed, right? And you know what you're doing, like, of course, your, your time is worth money, right? But it also is worth something to just help someone, right? To like, Mm -hmm. give that word to say, listen, I can't be your mentor now, but I'll give you 15 minutes of my time. And let me see what I can help you with, right? Um, So I'm really more into that. I feel like that's how you build a tribe right you build a tribe and a community by giving first and giving and giving and then you can ask for things in return and people will be willing to go ahead and support you but my experience has always been with buying things here in courses and stuff it's like okay you come buy the course you get what you know what you paid for or maybe you don't but that's a different story yeah. but as soon as the course is over it's like yeah bye like maybe we'll have this whatsapp group that someone sends something on like every 9 months when we need you to promote us But other than that, you won't hear from us anymore. And for me, like maybe that works for a lot of people, right? But like, I know that I'm thriving and I thrived in the past in an SDR role simply by having a community, simply by having people to lean on. Um, And that's kind of my goal, right? Like build that so that when I feel like I'm at that place that my money, that my time is actually worth, you know, a, a decent amount of money that I can ask for it and people will really feel like I deserve it. Right. Or that they want to support me. Um, yeah. and there's reasoning behind it.
1: You know, we, we try to, <laughs> we, we try to talk a lot about collaboration on this podcast, of course, because that's you know kind of who we are. It's kind of the name. Um, it's a thing and it's a thing <laughs> we're making it a thing. Uh, and it's always about collaboration within a company obviously like it's you know one department collaborating with another uh, kind of all centered around the hub of the the sales team but what you're talking about a lot is is you know it's it's this collaborative spirit that exists outside of a single company Uh, and it's SDRs uh, account managers and uh, you know just people in sales that are all kind of willing to help each other out Um, you know what, what what's what sort of collaboration like that have you witnessed in your, in your community? What, what, what are the members offering each other?
2: So for us, it's funny, because one thing that I really love is like, there's always this struggle, right? To find this person's right email, like you're prospecting and all shit, it bounces again and again and again. And like now, like a common thing you'll see right in Slack is like, guys, help me find this guy's email, right? And immediately someone would be like, oh, try this one, try that one, like do this, right? What do you guys think about this product? How should I better this cadence? So I think like a big thing there, like definitely having collaboration inside of a company should be a must- which again, Vidyard was the first company that I really experienced that with, that mm-hmm. there's collaboration. You can reach out to other people. Other people are so willing to help uh, and support you. But I feel like in order to be really stand out from the crowd, you have to collaborate with people outside of your company because those are the people that are going to probably be doing different things. And that's where you can get the best ideas from. Um, so I feel like if you want to be unique within your company, you have to figure out what other people in other companies are doing too.
1: That's great advice.
0: When it comes to interdepartmental communication and collaboration, I I think that there's a strong, either strong or quite a negative relationship between marketing and Mm -hmm. sales um, to be more broad. Um, And in in terms of what's helpful and not, um, when it comes to marketing collateral, what do you think you like find really helpful um, for the, the SDR, you know, point of contact?
2: I think it's like marketing, just sharing more about what is working. Right. Because I feel like a lot of times, like I'll even like look at something on the site and I'm like, shit, why is it written like that? Like, that doesn't make sense. Why? You know, and like when you don't have that explanation, like I'm not a marketer. Right. So that's probably why I don't know why it makes sense. Um, So I just think it's like having kind of more collaboration, right? Talking about it, maybe having a monthly meeting where marketing is like, listen, guys, I know it seems silly that it's written like this, but the reason we're doing it is, is because before we were seeing, you know, this conversion and now we're seeing that conversion, right? Like making it make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas a lot of times, and again, it could be incorrect. I'm sure it's not like this in every company, but from what I've seen in the past is like Marketing knows everything kind of that's going on with sales teams, right? Because that's how they make their decisions. But sales doesn't really understand what's going on with the marketing team. Like if you're just an SCR, right? Or an AE or some kind of IC, you probably don't have much knowledge into why they're making the decisions they're making. It's just, okay, things change on the website. Okay, pricing just changed. like, And it's just like, just figure it out and deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. Which again, we're, we're not marketers, right? So we don't understand. So you kind of have to break it down for us Barney style and be like, this is why it makes sense. You know, this is why you should trust us. And like, it's going to work out. Um, whereas a lot of times it's just, those decisions are made and you just go with it. And I think when you're confused about something, it becomes much harder to push it as a salesperson or spread the word and do it like fully invested in it. right?
0: And stay behind it if you don't know what it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's
0: good, That's
1: good advice. So when you when you set said- your own sales goals or your, your own goals in terms of either a daily goal or a monthly goal or, or your yearly goal, or when your manager sets you, sets them for you. Um, what, what are the biggest challenges with that?
2: I think for me, it's just staying consistent with things. Like I'll say a lot of times, right? Like I want to build a process that works well. And in order to do that, you kind of have to AB test. And then I'll find myself like, okay, I made this a, and I made this B, but I actually like a, a bit better. So I'm going to test that more. Um, so for me, it's just being like consistent. Cause I feel like that's how you really know if your goals are achievable or not. Whereas I kind of switch things up a lot. And I'm like, one day I feel like this person. And the other day I'm like, no, I'm that person. Um, so that's definitely a challenge for me as like trying to
1: stay consistent.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like staying consistent. Um, again, I'm, I'm fairly new in my AAE role. Well, not really, but kind of, sort of, um, <laughs> So I feel like I haven't gotten to that point yet that I know exactly what works, you know, like you'll speak to certain salespeople and they're like, I know that I need to have this amount of demos for this amount to convert and that to happen. But because I don't have that, like perfect consistency yet of like, okay, this is exactly what I call, you know, Mm -hmm. track. This is what I say. These are the questions. Um, It's harder for me to actually understand like what the end result is. And again, I also haven't gone through a whole fiscal year to say, okay, this is how it was overall. And this is what I did that worked.
0: Is there anything that you already miss about being an SCR?
2: Um, I think it's just like, I don't want to say the ease because SDR is definitely not easy, but the ease of kind of just like having that one call and then you just pass them on, you know, you're kind of done with them. So it's like, it's not my issue anymore. You know, like, oh, you have a really technical question. Oh, that's great. Let me connect you with an AE so they can answer that mm-hmm. for you. Right. Like that was always like so easy. And now being on the other side of that, you're like. Oh God, I'm the A. I, I need to know the answer to that. Like, let me let me figure that out for you. Um, so yeah, I definitely miss that part of it, and I think also just seeing, like you know, you get qualified ops or whatever you're kind of measured on, and those can come in like kind of consistently, um, especially if you have a lot of inbound in your company, which I did have with with Vidyard. So as an AE, right, You well, maybe some AEs do, but I don't have deals closing every single day, you know, it's kind of slower. So you have to just kind of keep up the positivity in the meantime, and be like, listen, it's coming or, you know, it'll be okay. Um, so it's not kind of that instant gratification that you would see like, okay, I booked a call for an AE tomorrow, tomorrow, he moves it to a next a stage and great, you know, I got what I need to get.
1: Right. You, you see the success very quickly.
2: Exactly. Like exactly.
1: I, I remember in one of my many sales jobs, uh, you know, it was a like real boiler room, kind of just mm-hmm. pounding the phones and we would tell each other like, you know, every no or every more likely, you know, F you and slam the yeah. phone down. Uh, every no is 1% of a yes. You know, like each no, like it's fine. It just gets you closer to the yes. Um, but you got to know exactly what the percentage is. Like if you don't have all that, that history, you don't know, and you're just being, Told no over and over and over again.
2: Yeah, um, I think like especially the AE thing, it's on a larger scale, right? Like I know um I was recently told, like for me, which apparently I'm close to, surprisingly, but like out of a hundred calls that I have, 85 of those were probably to be no's. And like right. for me, am like shit, 85 no's. Like I haven't even done 85 <laughs> in AE, right? So it's like you I always have this like idea in my head of shit, why am I not closing more? Why is more not happening? But when you actually look at the numbers, you're like, okay, maybe it's not really meant to happen yet. You know, like I, right. I'm doing okay actually for where I am. Um, but for me, that's a challenge. I'm always, I feel like I'm definitely always at a rush to kind of just like, be like, okay, I know what I'm doing. Um, but I guess there's also fun and kind of not knowing what you're doing and building out that process, part of the journey, I guess.
1: Um, you're an a- you an SDR and yeah, now you're an AE um would you uh, you know i i've seen a lot of companies that you know and you know let me know if i'm kind of treading on a minefield here but like i've seen a lot of companies that treat sdrs as like a very junior position and, and it often is it's often a first first job in sales um mm-hmm. and then as soon as an sdr starts succeeding they get you know kind of promoted up into being an ae um and that sometimes Kind of creates this lack of experienced SDRs in an organization. Do you, do you see anything like that? Is it, do you, do you have any light to shed on that, that process or anything you would change?
2: So for me, in definitely in Vidyard, it's not really the case, right? Like mm-hmm. you really have to be doing well as an SDR for a while, you kind of have tiers too. So you're like a tier one SDR. And even if you're doing great, you have to be there three months to like move into a tier two, right? So it really gives you that chance to actually grow and not kind of jump the gun. But I always say that like, If you can't be a good SDR, you might not be the best AE, right? Because in my opinion, an AE should be someone that not only goes ahead and knows how to close business, but can also find business for themselves, Mm -hmm. um, which is part of the way we work at Vidyard. So Vidyard, like even if you're an AE, 50% of what you're doing should be from outbound and 50% should be from inbound that you're getting. Your own,
1: your own outbound. Exactly. So you're still uh-huh. making those outbound yeah, calls. Yes, so it's and, and,
2: almost like being, uh-huh. you know, a full cycle rep in a certain sense. Like of uh-huh. course, there's uh-huh. more focus on actually closing deals. Um, but there definitely is an expectation of how much outbound we do. Whereas more and more, I'll hear companies, like especially here in Israel, when I tell people I, I prospect, they're like, "What? Like you're an AE? Why do you need to prospect?" And uh, right, course, I'm not an
1: SDR anymore. I don't need to. Yeah, I don't like, need to get my hands dirty and, with that. You
2: know? It's yeah. annoying to prospect, right? Because you have to go, you have to find those people, you have to take those actions. But on the other hand, I feel like you could so quickly die out if you're not taking those actions, right? Mm. Like how, why would the company need you if they get to a point that there's no inbound? Like what, what good are you for them, right? What do you have <laughs> to offer at that point? Right. Yeah, also, you know, I always think about because if you're just sitting around in the meantime when you're not closing deals or talking to people, you're just doing nothing, then like, is that
1: worth it for every company?
0: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, when it comes to um, a new prospect and you're pushing, not pushing or joining them along that let sales journey, um, wh- when is the point when you decide, you know, what I'm going to pull back and and call it quits? Um, is that and either because you want to really call it quits or it's, or it's like a move.
2: Yeah. So for me, I mean, I try to be extremely transparent, right? And I'm always like, listen, just tell me how it is. Like, please just like, don't ghost me. I always say that. Like, if you can't move forward, just tell me. And if you really tell me like, this is it, I'm not going to try to harass you and convince you otherwise. So if someone's coming and telling me, right, like that a competitor offered them a price that I know we can't get anywhere near that, then I'm going to leave them alone, right? I'm going to say, okay, best of luck, let's be in touch, right? Like we cannot match that, for example, or um, if someone's consistently ghosting me, I've sent them like four follow-up emails. They didn't show up to our decision call. You just kind of have to give up, which is difficult for me. Cause I'm like, well, just answer me, you know, like, what's the problem? Just yeah. tell me, what am I going to do? Show up at your house? You know, I don't know. Maybe people have you tried that. <laughs> yeah, maybe that would work, right? Too bad. They're usually far away. Um, yeah, for me it's like, It's just kind of a little bit of like emotional intelligence there too, right? That you kind Mm -hmm. of just have to get the point sometimes. Like, of course, there are situations where your email went to spam and they didn't see it, or they're really out of office and they missed it, or, you know, they were just taking their time. But for the most part, Mm -hmm. people see your emails. If they're choosing to just ignore you, in my opinion, it's immature because it's business. And just like they have quotas and things to do, like we have it and, you know, just go ahead and, and say, listen, we can't move forward. And that's it. And don't email me anymore. And that's okay. Um, But yeah, for the, for the most part, it's just like, I just use my emotional intelligence there. And I'm like, yeah, I think it's time to leave this alone.
1: Or- it's probably a lot harder to do that now as an ADE than, than an SDR. You've just, you know, by yeah. definition kind of in- invested so much more time in them.
2: No, definitely. I think that another thing too, is like the segment that I work in, particularly at Vidyard, um, the sales cycle isn't very long. So if we're not getting anywhere, we also have that, not pressure, but like, you know, that message from up top, like, listen, we need to dead out ops. Like if something's not happening, the person's not responding like, okay, close out the op. That's it. You know? Um, What is the
0: sale? How long is the sales cycle at Vidyard?
2: um, It depends. It could be, you know, you can get on a call with someone, which happened to me recently that, was on a call, literally, the guy usually would be a 45 minute call. He's like, I have 20 minutes. And later on that day he signed. Um, right. Or it could be a month. But over a month is usually not happening, right? Unless mm-hmm. it's like right now where it's end of year and people are getting like new budgets and whatever. And then there's that kind of waiting period. But really try to do things to kind of you know speed it up because it doesn't need to be such a long process, usually. It really comes down to the ROI. And if we can prove the ROI, then this should be an easy decision to make, right? If we can't prove mm-hmm. the ROI, then I openly say it too, maybe this isn't the solution for you. Maybe you shouldn't be looking into this, right? Like mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah. maybe you, you shouldn't go have to sell it, even though you're in sales, kind of like that. <laughs>
2: yeah, but that you know, I, I've learned that kind of going negative side of things. And I feel like it works really well for me. Like there'll be people mm-hmm. I speak to that they're like, do you not want us to buy this? And I'm like, no, it's not that I don't want you to buy it. <laughs> But I want you to convince yourself of why you should buy it, right? Like, I'm not here to convince you. It has to make sense. Like, if you're not in a really bad situation, like a pain situation in your company, or you're not doing really well, that now you have to do even better, and everything's just okay, and your life's not going to change if you don't find a solution, then you probably shouldn't be spending money on this, right? Um, Which is where it comes down to, like, why even waste our time with pretending we're going to meet up again, and we're going to talk about it. If you and I both know that there's no way you're going to get a sign off on something if
1: there's no real reason to you talked you talked a lot about kind of the uh, taking a scientific approach and being very process oriented uh before um would you say would you say the important thing to be focusing on as you know as either an sdr or an a is the process or the results and how do you kind of separate uh-huh. them
2: that's a good one. So for me, I definitely think that the process is important, right? Like, I don't think my strategy of just changing your process in the middle is a good one. But if you're doing that process for a while, and you're not seeing the results you should be seeing, then you need to revisit that process, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's a little bit of both. I don't think that, like, I think that processes should be set for a certain amount of time. So like, there's time to go ahead and just do it and focus on that. And then there's also time to reflect back. Um, cause I feel like there's a lot of also like, okay, if you just keep calling, but what if you have bad habits, right? Like you're saying the wrong thing, a bunch of times, you can't expect it to eventually work. Cause you're following the process. Maybe your process is just shit. If it's not working, maybe it's not. <laughs> um, I'm curious,
0: something I want to go back to is that you, you part of the whole SDR in Israel thing is that there's a big time difference. Um, in and that, the nine to five hours are really four to midnight. Um, Can you just speak about the relationship between caffeine and sales when you're selling long distance?
2: Yeah. So for me, actually, I mean, I still love caffeine. I still drink coffee, um, but I work regular hours. So I don't kind of have that issue. I get to the end of the day and I'm done. I work only with EMEA. Um, So I work with the Canadian team at Vidyard, which isn't very much because of the time difference even though I'm always on Slack, um, but I don't have that issue of like having to work until the evenings that that just wouldn't work for me. So yeah, I think that coffee is definitely important. For me, it's more of like a, a kind of a ritual thing, right? Like having <laughs> a cup of coffee. Um, now I'm pregnant too, so I'm trying to drink decaf and I just feel like it's exactly oh. the same, which I guess says enough about the fact that it's just a ritual and it's not really a necessity. Um, if you like what you're doing too, I guess that helps. So, well, make it
0: so, is it like a specific time of day or mug or something like?
2: Oh, I a care a lot
0: about this question.
2: You know, it's funny <laughs> to say that because lately I, I have like all these cool mugs that I've gotten in the past and from Vidyard and for my birthday recently. And I'm Your like I'm just sitting there, thank you. I'm just sitting there, and um, I'm like, yeah, but I like the clear mug. Like I like to see the coffee and then the foam on top. And I feel like in the other mug, I can't see that. So I love you know, the
0: moment when the milk goes in. and
2: Yeah. And does that. Yeah. I, I know what you feel. I know the clouding wait. effect. <laughs> yeah, we all,
1: we all know it.
2: <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad we
1: are
0: on the same page. Okay.
2: Yeah. I think like the morning straight away in the morning, or sometimes I like to wait. Usually our want our uh, team meeting is at 11, my time, which is like nine UK time. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes like, should I have the coffee at nine? Do I wait till 11? So I can like be on the call and drink the coffee. Um, usually I wait till 11, but that's three times a week. And then I have like an <laughs> afternoon kind of thing, right? It can't go past four o'clock, but probably like after this, I might make coffee. It's like right on the border.
1: Oh, you weren't yes. kidding about, you know, having rituals.
2: Yeah, no, it's definitely <laughs> it's like a thing, right? Like I just, if it's the wrong time, it's just the wrong time. You can't do it mm-hmm. even if you want to.
1: So, yeah, you're a woman in sales, and you know women are underrepresented in tech in general, um, and I think even more so in sales. Um, how does that uh, How does that affect your job? And how do you um, How do you account for that?
2: So, me personally, I don't feel like it affects my job. I feel like okay. that's something that doesn't really go on in our company in Vidyard. At least we have quite a few like really fabulous women that are in leadership roles. Um, I don't feel like any type of difference between the men and the women in our company. Um, mm-hmm. And just in general, I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm the wrong person to ask that question to, because I've had really good experiences with that.
0: That's um, great. That's
2: good. Yeah. I mean, like, I, you know, sometimes you hear stories and like Definitely. I believe that it happens, right? There's no question here that I believe that it happens, um, that there are companies, right. That are paying women less or treating women like less or, you know, not as understanding. Um, but in my situation personally, it's just, I've had really, really great experiences with being a woman. I haven't felt like less. Maybe I just didn't get the the cue when they tried to make me feel like less. I don't know. we <laughs> will um, try.
1: I'll try harder.
2: but I'm also like I'm very outspoken right I say what I want to say I do what I want to do for the most part um and I feel like I don't really leave too much room for that like it would be kind of hard for someone to make me feel like unless because I'm a woman um I feel very empowered by it so uh I'm always of course for making those situations better in any way that I can and definitely if I was put against that, right, if I was in that type of situation, I'd be the first one calling it out, writing about it on LinkedIn, like completely like putting them out there. Um, but luckily I haven't come across that yet. So I've been, I've been fortunate, I guess. That's great. That's great. I
0: can I ask you about salary? Um, Because when it comes to gender inequity, that's usually, I'm not going to ask how much, I mean, I could, but I'm not going to ask you how much you make. But is that something that you cover? Nobody, nobody and-
1: listens to this podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, it's funny because for some time, I, I've always felt like salary was a big part of inequity. Um, and it is. Um, and transparency is really the solution to that. So is that something that you address at all in the community, or that you've seen in any of your interactions, or that you paid someone to tell you about at some point?
2: Yeah, so we actually did like a form for people to fill out saying, like, kind of what they get at their company. Like, do you get, you know, 10 B's? Do you get like different Karen How much is your salary? How is it broken up to kind of do like a Should we explain
0: job? what that is to people? Yeah, Let's right. just go with that. <laughs> different
2: like, different, like food things like do you get money for food? Do you get extra Your benefits? Money, yeah. yeah, benefits and stuff. Um, because we really do want to eventually, when we have enough answers on that, kind of put out, you know, the news on it. Um mm-hmm. I think that there's definitely a lot going on there. I think that companies will definitely try to lowball people. Um, mm-hmm. if you don't ask for it, you probably won't get it. And even if you ask for it, they're probably still going to try to give you less. Um, And I think it's a really kind of hard thing to tackle, too, because from what I find, like I am I'm not going to say here how much money I make, but I'm I'm pretty transparent about that. Right. Like ask me in private. I'm more than happy to tell someone. But I Mm -hmm. feel like most people aren't. Right. So it's kind of hard if you're on a team or if you're new to a team, what do you do? Go and ask people how much they're making. Right. And then they're like, no, I'm not going to tell you how much I'm making. So. It's kind of hard, right, to know. Um, and I also feel like there's very big gaps kind of in in the market, especially for SDRs. Like some mm-hmm. people are earning this amount and it's plus bonuses or they only get bonuses if they hit their quota or their bonuses are included in their Like there's just so many different types of formats. Do you think
0: that's like company specific or more industry specific or regional? I think
2: or? I think it's just all over Israel. I don't feel like there's like a standard for these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, like many things, like people just kind of, you know, do what they want to do and either you go with it or you don't, right. Um, which is unfortunate because I feel like it would be a lot easier to track things, um, if there was a standard, but I Mm -hmm. think people are getting smarter about it too, right? Like there's a lot of options nowadays and on one hand, people are losing jobs, which is unfortunate, but on the other hand, you see so many companies that are hiring, um, And if one company isn't willing to offer you what you want, like, if you really want to work there, maybe it's worth it, like just to get your foot in the door. But if Mm -hmm. you don't, there are so many other options. Like for me, I know leaving Israel to work at Vidyard, I actually went down on salary, right? Like I went from doing um, kind of like a full cycle sales situation to being an SDR. Um, And I went down substantially on salary, but for me, it was worth it, right? Because I was like, shit, I want to work for Vidyard. Like I want to work remote, which is a benefit. I want to be able to be with my family, I want to be able to travel to events, I want to have all this experience and like, it ended up paying off for me so I think where you work is more important like the people you're going to be around, because you can get paid a shitload of money but if you have to suffer all day, it's not going to work. Yeah.
0: If you're listening, which you should be because you're a star (laughs) rock star employee is here, Uh, you know, you could feel free to sponsor this episode or the next one. (laughs) That's great. I mean, it's, it's key. It's funny when people talk about work, um, we think about salary, but like, you're spending a lot of time at work. You want it to be a good, positive, healthy experience. It's my
2: advice always like to people in the community too, right? like, oh, this company offered that. And like, I'm like, yeah, but do you want to work at that company? Like, we know that we've heard some shit about that company, right? Or like, you know that you're gonna to have to travel to this place and you have kids. Like, is that worth it for you for that extra at even five thousand shekel a month, right? Which is a big amount. Mm-hmm. Um, but like for me, I, I it's two different worlds. What I was doing before Vidyard and what I'm doing now. I it's it's there's no there's no amount of money that you can put on it for me. Like that security and the feeling of really enjoying and not dreading getting up to work every day is is worth everything to me
1: and you need to treat your job and it sounds like you are you need to treat your job like a continuation of your education yeah um and you know what you're getting at vidyard you might not be getting from somewhere else whatever the salary is um and it's going to work out better for you in you know in one five ten or twenty years
2: yeah exactly
1: so I think uh, we're gonna get uh, some really good answers from you on this one, because you kind of started this off talking about how much into personal development and, and self-education you are. You are. Um, but uh, we always ask our guests uh, the same question at the end. Uh, who do you read? Who do you listen to? Who do you follow on Twitter or LinkedIn? Um, and how do you get better at your job? Who are the people that you're, that you're looking at in order to do that?
2: Yeah, so there's really like so many amazing people to know here. Um, I'm really lucky, right? Because as I keep saying, and you guys might think I'm like freaking crazy already, but I really work in a company with so many amazing people, especially salespeople. So I'm fortunate enough to have like those internal chats and people I can just hit up on Slack and jump on a Zoom with. Um, unfortunately those people don't really share much on LinkedIn. So I can't say like, Oh, go follow. Them, you know, and I can't just, uh, you know, give you access to my Slack to go ahead and message them. Um, but definitely in terms of podcasts, I would say something like 30 minutes to president's club, I think is fabulous. Mm-hmm. It's actionable. It's good. It's quick. Um, and they always bring on like really cool, different people. And then some people I love following and I get really great tips from on LinkedIn, are, um, I'm going to send you their LinkedIn's afterwards, but like Salman and Charles and Josh Braun and Charlotte Johnson, Sarah Brazier. So like just to name a few, right. Um, but those are people like, I like to just go through LinkedIn. I don't have it on my phone anymore. So can't do that. And like, you know, have to be by the computer. It's a bit more serious, but um,
1: You, you took also, LinkedIn like, off of your phone?
2: Yeah. A few months ago, I had to, I was, it was too much already You
1: addicted to LinkedIn.
2: Yeah. I was addicted to LinkedIn. <laughs> it. It's the saddest people. thing ever. Yeah. It, it is sad. Right? <laughs> when you have a lot going on and there's cool people and there's nice things to see, it's like, yeah. You want, and I don't have any other social media. So, you know, it's kind of just like stuck with LinkedIn,
1: huh.
2: wow. Um, but yeah, I like to go and just like save posts. Cause you're not always in the mood right now to like learn it or know it, but I know that these people put out very solid content Um, and that's pretty much what I do. I mean, there's a, like, I have so many people on LinkedIn that really post good stuff. Um, and those specific people that I mentioned to Charlotte, Charles Salmon, they always, they, all of them, all of them have, um, like little courses that they've made now. They, they provide so much information on LinkedIn that like, you could really learn a ton there, Mm -hmm. but they've also put out like courses or playbooks that are like $70, $30. So they're not like these ridiculous hundreds of dollar amounts, you know, you can usually affordable for most people, or if your company can go ahead and, and give you that money back, then even better, which you should be doing right. So if you don't have yeah. a company that gives you a learning and development fund, then maybe you should get a new company.
1: Good point. Awesome. <laughs> uh, one last question. What does normal gets you nowhere? mean, Huh. It's, all right. Well, first of all, for <laughs> people explain. who are people yeah. who are listening, uh, yeah it has a very nice uh, uh background um wallpaper. It's wallpaper, right?
2: Wallpaper and it's a neon sign, so it actually And it's
1: an actual neon sign. It's not just a Zoom background. It says normal, oh, oh, it does <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. It says normal gets you nowhere and then nowhere is
2: upside down. Upside
1: down? Right.
2: Yeah, some people think
0: it's where kind of
2: Um, yeah normal gets you nowhere I don't know you know it's just so fitting because I feel like I've always kind of had a not a very traditional approach to things or a life or anything like that so we won't get into that right now but um, I just feel like really normal really does get you nowhere right like normal can be a standard and it's comfortable but if you really want to stand out if you really want to do amazing things you have to be different right you have to kind of not be the normal Mm -hmm. one Um, and yeah, I just liked it. I felt like also because I sell Vidyard, right, which is a bit different and you're sending videos and it's not maybe the norm, like email, um, email is not really getting people very far, right? You have like a SAS, it's like cold emails. The reply rate is like 1.6%. So move to video. It's not so normal and it's 6%. So there you go.
0: So, yeah. if people want to reach you, we'll also put your LinkedIn there. <laughs>
2: and- yeah, as long as you're nature, <laughs> I can talk to you. Um, no, you can also reach me if you're not, but preferably don't book a demo. Thank you.
1: <laughs> uh, Yalet's only social network is LinkedIn. So, if you want to learn more from Yalet and get more words of wisdom, follow her on LinkedIn, uh, yeah. where she writes from her computer. Um, and um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I feel like you're I really learned a lot today.
0: Thank we were you. excited about you. We we followed yeah. you on LinkedIn, and that's how we found you. And it took us a while to have you on the show because you had COVID. So we're glad you're recovered. You're back in action on LinkedIn <laughs> and SDRs Israel, and here with us today. Thanks.
2: Thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, definitely connect with me on LinkedIn because if you just follow me, then I'm not connected to you, and then you might be posting. Mm that i'm missing out on um so definitely connect with me on linkedin and thank you again for having me and bye thank you thanks
1: thanks for joining us for today's brew like what you heard let the world know leave a five-star review on apple spotify or wherever you're listening
0: subscribe now so you never miss an exciting episode see you soon